That feels good. That feels good. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Create Podcast. It's Valentine's Day. It is a day of love around the world. And so, because it is a day of love, and many of you may know that Kristen and I love to call each other wives, because that just feels right. But we also have a husband, and so often we like to bring our husband in when it feels like it's time for him. <laughs> and the day of love feels like the perfect time for our, our husband. And so, friends, John DeVisi is with us tonight. Hello. Oh. I'm so happy to be here with you. If you could only see how good looking he is. God damn oh, it. Right this now. This is why I keep you two around. <laughs> the way that the light is hitting your face, your eyes are so beautiful. Let's set the scene for everyone. Yeah. So normally we speak to you from our beautiful home in New York City. But friends, the three of us have joined forces and we are actually sitting in a beautiful space in California. We're sitting on the Santa Monica Pier overlooking the gorgeous ocean. We just watched the sunset together and we were so delighted to spend this Valentine's Day with you while we sit on this beautiful landscape of the ocean. And we have a secret. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is being recorded into Rob Bell's microphone. Whoa. Friends. Whoa. We stole it from the back house. We stole it. Kristen <laughs> went to yes. the back house and stole the microphone. That's right. With permission. I broke in. No, I didn't. <laughs> Rob actually was just generous and said, since we were in <laughs> California, we could borrow his mic. It's a beautiful microphone. I mean, it's it's just fancy and We full have exactly the same microphone back in New York. Um, but we feel like his is endowed with a special kind of magic. I feel right. it. I feel it. Mm -hmm. Yes. So friends, we are here today because as you know, the last few podcasts that we have brought you have been on the chakras and we've been on a series in this new year that is talking about the energy of the chakras in how to jumpstart, how to activate, how to transform your life with this wheels of vital energy that exists in your body. And because today is Valentine's Day, we felt really compelled that we wanted to dive deep into two chakras and unite them. And each chakra has a masculine or a feminine quality, but the whole system of the chakras as they work together integrates the masculine and feminine energy. So we thought it would be beautiful to bring you tonight the third chakra, which is a masculine identified chakra and the fourth chakra which is a feminine identified chakra to bring you this beautiful Shiva Shakti dance of energy that is all about love. Oh, that feels right for that Valentine's That sounds amazing. Day. And you may have noticed we did not have a podcast last week. Natalie and I had this wonderful moment when we looked at each other in Los Angeles and said, guess what? It's our life. It's our podcast. It's our rules, and we can decide to skip a week. And isn't there something that's so powerful to know that in your life, you can create whatever it is you want? And so to give ourselves permission to take a week off so that we really could go inside and like have a rest and then come back out and know that we were going to be stronger and more in touch with ourselves and more in touch with each other because of the time that we took. 
And also, as we've been telling you uh, for several weeks now, the three of us are about to embark on an amazing trip to Paris together. And so we really wanted to cultivate this time together to really explore this energy of what we are teaching, which is pleasure. And the idea that many of us think our homework, our to-do list, uh, what is urgent in our life must come first. And so we wanted to take some time to say, what if play and relationship and love and joy and activation and simplicity and time away can come first? I feel like everyone in the whole world just wants permission to be in pleasure. That we all just want permission to say, hey... We don't have to be slaves to our to-do list. We don't have to be slaves to other people's expectations of us. We can actually just check in to where our own desire is and let that be the thing that pulls us. That's right. We have to give ourselves permission to be in our pleasure. No one else can do it for us. And no one else will. No one else will. <laughs> if someone, if I said to you, Kristen, go ahead and be in your pleasure now, that's no, that's nowhere near as authentic as or real if you, if you don't come to that decision for yourself. Right. That's right. And part of what we talk about in the vital energy of the chakra system is it's all an inner game. Yeah. It is all inside of you. All of the wisdom, the instinct, the rush of possibility is inside of you. And anytime we get stuck in a pattern of looking in the outer world to tell us, is it okay for me to do this? Mm-hmm. I want to do this, but let me check with someone else or check with my job or or check with my schedule to see if this is a possibility. We have to decide the possibility within ourselves. And then from that place, we get to transform the world around us. And that's what being a powerful creator is. That's right. And that's what visionaries have always done. Someone who's a visionary is someone who doesn't check into the world first. They check into their own vision and they live from that place. And then their vision and living from their vision transforms the world. Mm. So I think our desire is as we set ourselves free to be that liberated, that we can look within to live the most authentic lives, that we all go together and we can cheer each other on as someone checks in with themselves and does what is right for them. And even in the energy of Valentine's Day, how many people, if you are not in a partnership, sort of begrudge this day or you Mm -hmm. wish this day would just pass you or it feels like this day is just about uh, chocolates and romance and you feel so separate from it. And why is everyone on Instagram posting their love pictures? Ah! (laughs) And where is the calling to say, if you are looking for someone else to give you that I love you card, if you are looking to someone else Mm -mm. to say you are the love of my life, then you've already missed the whole point of your magnanimous creation, Mm -hmm. which is that you were created to delight and inspire and awe yourself. And anytime we start to look for that outside of ourselves, then we may find relief in another person, in another person's action, in another person's declaration, but we will certainly never find happiness in that space. We will find relief, but we will not find the fulfillment because it is always a marker to say, go back in, go back in. 
I have it for you. Kristen mm -hmm. has it for Kristen. John has it for John. Natalie has it for Natalie. And when all of us can come to this table, fully bringing that to ourselves for ourselves, then the way we get to love each other is so pure and organic and authentic that it will far transcend any type of Hallmark holiday that we are looking at the outer world saying, I wish I was part of that. Well, isn't the calling to, to be... May I look within to hear how love is asking to show up for me as me. We all had very different weeks in the last week, right? The calling was very different. Natalie spent most of the week internally, right? Lots of journaling, lots of meditation, lots of quietness. And only you could do that for you. Only you could give that to you. Yeah, I literally went on a meditation retreat where no phone, no clock, literally just meditating and sleeping, meditating and sleeping for hours. And let me tell you, friends, if you are used to your 20-minute meditation practice in the morning and it feels like it's a hard task to stop your thoughts for those 20 minutes, when you're in meditation for eight hours straight and you want to get out, <laughs> that is when you start to really know yourself. And in that moment, you have the opportunity to say, why do I continue to abandon myself to some stimulus outside of myself? And the calling is wow, there may just feel like emptiness inside of me. There may just feel like sadness inside of me. But the calling is just to sit and love whatever is instead of what I can fabricate or create outside of myself. We don't want the thing. We think it's about the other person or that place or that thing that if we had it, we would feel whatever it is that we want to feel. So on Valentine's Day, for those that are single, you know, there's that thought process of, well, if I had that, if I had what I'm seeing on Instagram, I would feel loved. We don't actually want the thing. We want the way the thing makes us feel. We can have that feeling anytime, all times, because it has to start within us, right? If we want to be loved, we have to be loved in order to reflect love back to us. So it's never about getting something that we don't already have. It's just tuning into the fact that we have it and how do we access it and how do we remove all the stuff that's stopping us from getting there. And those tools are so powerful to develop, especially when you are single, to know how deep you can love within yourself, how you can create paradise for yourself where you are, because all of a sudden, once you get into partnership, we all have the, these beautiful ideas that it's going to be all of the things the that we, we see in mm. the Nicholas Sparks movies or, you know. Um, but often love brings up everything that's unlike itself, right? So that you need those tools, that, that deep supply within you of infinite love <laughs> to bring to the challenges that being in partnership presents. And if you don't have them on your own, when you're, it's just yourself, you're not going to have it when you're faced with someone else's darkness or the, or the challenge that someone else brings up and makes you face your own darkness. Because then all we ever enter into is a requirement-based relationship with our partners mm -hmm. where I have a need that needs to be filled or satisfied or soothed. And as long as you provide that for me, then I feel safe and I feel good. And then I will give more love to you. 
And so what happens is when that partner is not able to fulfill that, which is their job, Mm -hmm. it is their job to not fulfill it, to bother you, to To, piss you off, to fall short, to fall short from your own internal judgments. Yes. So that we can say, Oh, look how I, again, put pressure on that person to be for me what I was born to be for myself. That's right. We do that with our relationships and with our careers and with our bank accounts and all of these things. And we will continually find things in the outer world when we're not willing to spend the time with them. So tonight, we are going to go in to the two middle juicy chakras. And it makes me think about, since we're going in to this place that really is located in um, our center um, when you are in a yoga class or a Pilates class, they, they make you think so much about your core, right? And they say, if your core is strong, then the rest of you is strong. So tonight is like we're all doing planks together, <laughs> right? We're all just coming inside to say, how strong, how toned can I be when it comes to the center of myself? Mm-hmm. And in the traditional chakra model, there are seven chakras. The lower three chakras, which is the root, the sacral, which we've talked about in previous weeks, and the third chakra, which is which is our, our core, these three chakras are more associated with the world, with property, with uh, money, power, finances, emotions, more with our bodies. The upper three chakras, which is the crown, the third eye, the throat from which we have our expression, are more esoteric. They're more in the ether element. They're more in the spiritual element. And so then the heart becomes this bridging point where we are both a spirit and a body. We are both a human and something else, a higher self, cosmic consciousness. And so it is in this core center place that we have to bridge the gap between these two things. Now, there are many, many people who are on a spiritual path that will say, well, I just want to transcend those lower human chakras. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I want to not care about money. I want to not care about my body. I want to not care about anything that's happening in the world. Then there are many, many people that say, listen, I know lots of people that live way up in the clouds, are meditating all the time, and they're not making any change (laughs) on this planet. They are not doing anything with the gifts that they've been given because they're just like sitting on a mountaintop all day long. And so what we know is that a true integration of all of what we are is actually how we learn to love ourselves when we integrate our shadow self and our light self, when we integrate our human qualities. Look how triggered I'm getting. Can I love that as much as when I'm really at peace? When we can learn to integrate these qualities of ourselves because they are all ourselves and we can love ourselves fully as the full spectrum that we are, That is really when we access our power. So that is why we start at the third chakra, because we want to identify what our power is. And it is not the definition that the world has necessarily given us of what true power is. That perhaps true power is actually integrating the light and the dark and being in full acceptance. And here's the buzzword for this podcast, surrender of all that we are without wanting to change reality. Well, one of the things that we've been talking about with this whole um, wheel series is how a wheel, the energy has to go in for the wheel to go forward. 
And as we come to a new year, often as we're looking at the places we think we need to increase our lives, we think of energy out, right? So if someone's looking at the part of their life that deals with confidence, power, and their own self-will, which is what the third chakra is all about, they will often think, I need to be more powerful in the world. I need to be more assertive. And they think that means more forward pushing into the world, a certain kind of stature or posturing or even bravado, right? When, when people think of people who are powerful, often we get this, this kind of like false image from the world of what power looks like. And what we want to offer tonight, that the energy that goes in, the true power aligning with our internal power is about that beautiful buzzword surrender. That when we are willing to accept where we are and allow ourselves a certain amount of let go is when we can find that place where life is taking us to who we truly are and where our power is. I think what happens for all of us, and I know all three of us have talked about this, is what can happen in our life sometimes is we feel stuck. We're like, I don't understand this part of my life. I don't know what's going on here. I need to figure it out. Oh, I need to take action. Oh, I need to do this thing. Oh, I need to make a decision. Oh, I need to be forward in the world because I can't figure this out. And actually, life will give us situations that are too big for us to figure out so that we are forced to surrender. So we are forced to come to the place of not knowing. And inside that openness is an intelligence that wants to communicate through us. It always makes me think about nature and how the force of nature works. And if we think about power as the word force, Mm. let's think about the moon. We're about to have the new moon. Let's think of the beautiful moon that shines in the sky. And she looks so peaceful and so surrendered. She's just doing her thing in the world. Shining the way she does. She does not compete with the sun. When it's her time to rise, she does. When it's her time to set, she does. Yet the power of the moon is that she moves and controls the tides. And so even as we sit here and look at the ocean, we see the waves coming in and going out and coming in and going out. And all the moon is doing is just shining and being. It is in the beingness of its own force that creates this movement, this energy in the world. And I like to even think about the way the tide comes in, the wave comes in, all the sand like a snow globe gets stirred up and moved around and shaken up. And that's what it feels like when we start to tap into our true power. Everything that we think we know about ourselves starts getting stirred up and, and conflicted even. And, and we, maybe we get afraid of our power. But what happens is then as the tide goes out, whatever isn't meant for us will go out into the ocean. And whatever's left will settle on the shore. And it is an ever-moving system so that then if we're still left with insecurity, if we're still left with doubt, if we're still left with shame, which is the shadow of this chakra, we can trust that there is a force greater than us, whether we consider that to be the force of nature, God, higher power, our own consciousness. That force is always working to take away whatever granules, whatever sand isn't needed in this process. And always what settles in the end, we can always surrender to because whatever is left is really what's meant for us. That's right. Change is, change is constantly happening. You know, that, 
that process of the water coming in and pulling things out that we don't need anymore. That's a constant cycle that we go through as beings as we evolve and we learn for ourselves what serves us and what no longer serves us anymore and when you're doing this kind of work you're making unconscious agreements that you're ready to let it go so all the universe is doing is providing us the perfect opportunity to say oh i'm gonna let that go now but our nature well People say it's our nature to resist change. I don't think it's our nature. I think it's our nurture. Mm. I think by nature, we were born as the most free-loving, easygoing, nothing bothers us, you know, souls in the world. But we learned over the course of our lives to resist change because we find a sense of safety, right, in things being familiar, in things staying the same. For me, power comes from awareness. It comes from being able to see at any moment, being mindful in any moment, what's really going on? What am I focusing on? What am I feeling? So that as these things come up, when we're scrolling through Instagram and we get that little twinge of, there's that picture of, or all of those pictures of my friends, or we're thinking about, you know, what we're, what we're going to do for Valentine's Day. It's that constant awareness of what am I feeling and why am I feeling it? And what do I get to surrender in this moment? Because there's things in there that are no longer serving us. That's why we feel that thing. That's why we get triggered. And I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, to me, having done so much work, what you were saying before resonated so much with me, Natalie, because you were talking about we focus on the top three chakras and we want to bypass everything mm-hmm. that's going on in the lower three chakras. And for me, you know, those lower three chakras were where my fear was. Mm. It's where all of my unconscious bias was. It's where all of my triggers and my assumptions and my interpretations and my limiting beliefs were. They weren't in my top three. In my top three, I was woo-woo, like I was all ready to go. And it's those places that if we can start to have awareness of what's going on, the only way we can surrender is if we have awareness of what's going on. That's That's where power comes from for me. And sometimes that awareness is in the words, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the next step is. I don't know what the next right choice is. Mm -hmm. So so my point of power right now is being okay to be in I don't know. And if I believe I'm in a universe that loves me, then I believe that I don't know is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And that I always get everything I'm supposed to know at the moment I'm supposed to get it. And if I can be super patient with myself and say, hey, what if right here is exactly the right time and the right place? And what if the universe is so for me, it's already worked everything out. There's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to grasp. There's nowhere, there's no rung on a ladder I have to reach up to and pull myself to the next rung that everything will be clear as it's meant to be clear. And if it's not clear, it's because the universe wants me to sit in, I don't know. So I'm listening. Anytime I have those moments, and you both know I've had a lot of those moments recently where I'm in a space of, I don't know, and I get impatient or I get emotional or I resist it. It's because somewhere I made a contract with myself Mm. to not allow something to happen again that happened before. So now I know when those things are coming up, 
it's an opportunity for me to become aware and figure out what was that contract I made with myself. Where is that contract that I'm still holding on to that is no longer serving me that I can actually rewrite into a new contract and all of the energy that's been held in that old contract for as many years as I've been holding on to it is instantly freed and sits at the base of the new contract and puts all of that power in a positive way into the new contract. And it's so transformative, but that's what those moments always are for me. It's an opportunity to figure out a contract that is no longer serving me. So for anyone listening right now who's going, oh, oh, contract? What's that? What's an old contract? What's a new contract? Like, if someone's listening right now and they find themselves in a place where they're like, I feel a certain amount of stuckness, how does someone realize they're in an old contract? And what's the process of making a new contract? I think it's sitting down and really asking yourself the question, why do I believe what I believe about this situation? Because so many of the times in our lives, we've been conditioned to believe something and we've accepted those as our belief. And they, it really wasn't ever our choice or experience or th- there was nothing that actually happened to, you know, to cause that belief in us. So if you're asking yourself that question and you're like, oh, yeah, I believe that because so-and-so believe that, great, you can let it go and move on. Now, if the answer is, no, I believe that because this thing happened or this thing happened or this thing happened, well, then chances are you've got a contract there. And most of the times when we've created a contract with ourselves, it's because we've gone through something in our lives that was causing us some kind of pain or some kind of trauma. And in an effort of self-preservation, because that's what we do as human beings, we are, we are actually built to survive, right? That survival instinct. We made an agreement with ourselves that started along the lines of something like, from this moment on, I will never fill in the blank. I will never let someone treat me like that again. I will never make that mistake again, whatever it is. So ask yourself the question, right? What is underneath this fear that's coming up? And what is the contract that I made with myself? And listen to your own thought process. Listen to what your narrative is in your head about a specific thing and hear how you're speaking about it to yourself and write it down. And chances are, if you ask yourself the question, let's just use um, being single as an example, since it's Valentine's Day, ask yourself the question, how do I feel about being single? And just write it down. And I can pretty much guarantee that when you read it back to yourself, the tone that you use, the emotions that you identify, the positive or negative outlook that you see on the paper that's most likely the words in the contract that you've been holding on to. And now it's sitting right in front of you and you can choose to write a new contract. And what's so fascinating about the opportunity for a new contract is many of us created contracts. And Kristen and I've talked before about uh, core beliefs or core wounds. Many of us create these safety default contracts when we're children. So when we're children and we need to survive in whatever atmosphere we are in, we need to create a contract in order to um, make sure that we are okay. But as an adult, we don't need that same safety net. We don't need that same contract. And we often talk that anahata, the word for heart, means the unstruck. And uh, the heart chakra is often described as the sound that is made without any vibration touching. Mm. So if we think about music, music is created when vibrations connect with one another. Well, the sound of the heart is nothing 
nothing actually even needs to connect. There is its own sound that is ever present. And as the unstruck sound, then the calling of the heart chakra is, can I live and love as if my heart has never been struck? as if my heart has never been damaged. So if the old contract is, this ex of mine hurt me in this way, so now I have a contract that ensures my protection from that behavior, then perhaps the new contract is, I am actually the person that is no longer in alignment with that behavior. So rather than needing some mechanism to protect me from it, I live in a way where it is not possible for that to be in alignment with me anymore. So I can live unstruck. Mm -hmm. I can live without that contract because I now trust my love and care for myself enough to know that when that energy starts coming my way, I no longer have that contract and I can make it different choice absolutely Uh, there's some great quotes that we pulled about surrender and there's this one from Marianne Williamson that I love that says something amazing happens when we surrender and just love we melt into another world a realm of power already within us the world changes when we change the world softens when we soften the world loves us when we choose to love the world and I think that links to what we're talking about in terms of contracts, that when we start to change our contract with ourselves and our contract with the world, then we start to see those changes show up in form. And often why surrender becomes the key to really accessing our true power is because that surrender opens up a door to see where there's something inside of us that wants to shift. So instead of trying to go out into the world and like manhandle change, it's how the energy inside of us is asking for a brand new expression. There's an energy inside of us that's been stuck or stale or in old patterns. It's asking to be released. And the moment we can address that energy, that that set of internal beliefs, we get to see the most powerful change because we've aligned internally. That's the difference between surrender and giving up. Mm. People think that surrender means I'm giving up. I'm just not, I'm not trying anymore. And it's quite the opposite. Those things that are coming up in us, the things that cause us the hurt or the trigger are coming up to be healed. And the longer that we've been holding on to them, the deeper that pain is. But the surrender, when we talk about surrender, we're talking about surrendering the things that are blocking that from coming up and out. So you can actually let it go out of your body and let it go out of your spirit so you can see what's underneath, which is the peace that you've been looking for Mm -hmm. on the outside the entire time. Surrender is a beautiful experience. It's It's not giving up in any way, shape, or form. Right. Surrender is very active right? So when we think about giving up, it feels very passive. It feels like I'm going to sit back and throw my hands up in the air because I can't possibly try anymore. The act of surrender is very active. It's an act of faith. It's an act of pure, unconditional love. When I think about surrender, the way we talked about the chakra system, surrender appears to say, I surrender to loving the dark, scared, vulnerable, unsure parts of myself with the same ferocity that I love the huge, strong, 
uh, faithful parts of myself. It almost reminds me of someone who wants to invest money. So if you have all of your money to invest, then the chances of that investment uh, moving and making bigger dividends, if you invest all of it, or if you invest a small piece of it, the more you invest, the more opportunity you have to get a payout. So when we invest in all of ourselves, when I say I'm willing to invest in the shadow of myself, the shameful parts, the parts I don't like, the parts I judge, the parts I don't want to love, when I can invest in surrendering and offering unconditional love to all of me and not just the bright shiny parts of me, then I know that in this loving universe, that will create the unstuck, that will create the opportunity for change, for movement that I'm craving. So the opportunity is to say, it is not the outside world or an outside partner that I am looking for to say you're okay and you're lovable. It is when I can accept and surrender to my own humanness that I can fly. One of my favorite quotes from the Tao is, hold the light with the dark. Bring it forward. Shine the light on it. Say I love you and I'm sorry. Hold these things equally and you can hold the world. And it's true. If we can only love some parts of ourselves, then we're not loving ourselves. Love is an, it's an all in thing, right? You can't, you can't just love a little bit and not love all of it. If you are holding parts of yourself separate in judgment, in shame, you have to surrender to knowing that those pieces of you are just as beautiful and just as lovable and deservant of love as the bright and shiny ones. Mm. And isn't it interesting you have to learn how to love your light and your dark in order to love someone else's light and their dark. Right. If we think someone's <clears throat> going to come into our lives and just bring the light, we are <laughs> sorely mistaken. Because people will show up and they will bring both because we all have both. We all have both. And if we don't have love and respect and acceptance for our own darkness, we can't extend that same love and respect and acceptance for someone else's darkness. That's right. Osho talks a lot about intimacy, and he talks about how we for the most part, are incapable of true intimacy, not because we don't have it within us, but because we are so busy, and we all know this, uh, if you're in a new relationship, mm-hmm. the first three to six months of the relationship is, let me show you all the best parts of me. Let me show you how accommodating I am. If you're late, it won't bother me. You, you know, like, we're just showing the bright and shiny best version of ourselves. And then as we get deeper and deeper in the relationship, It's not that the butterflies go away. It was that the butterflies was our false self meeting someone else's false self, trying to impress each other because we so desperately want that person to be the one. And what happens when the butterflies go away is we start having a real relationship. We start being authentically dual. Yes, I am someone who is sometimes accommodating and I'm someone who is sometimes stubborn and wants it my own way. And we start to show someone both of those sides of ourselves. But what Osho says is that we are incapable of feeling true intimacy because true intimacy would be sitting with another person and revealing our complete emptiness, not our goodness, not our badness, 
but how actually deep inside of all of us, there is just space. There is ether. There is emptiness. There is nothingness. There is just universe. And it's not good and it's not bad. It's just nothing. And we are so afraid of not being special, of not being important, of not making an impact on this planet, that the last thing we would ever want anyone to see is the nothingness. But when two people can come with one another, and you may notice this does happen with great friendships when you get comfortable enough, when you can just sit in nothingness with each other, where no one has to say a word, where you can just be with each other and nothing needs to happen. You can watch a sunset where you can just sit and be in a space with each other. And that is the breeding ground for authentic relationship. Mm. And so what we want to offer is that without surrendering all of our humanness, we can never move from the third chakra into the heart space where we can see that inside of our hearts, we are just a blank canvas that can't wait to paint a picture with someone that can't wait to paint a picture with the whole world, but we come naked. We come not knowing like children, we come not even able to breathe and we are given it by the world. We're given it as we need it. We're given it every step of the way. And so the true calling is to say to truly love ourselves is to be able to be so surrendered and so in love with the complete empty quiet within us. And when we can love that, then the world can do whatever it wants to do and we will be okay. I think about it that what when going back to what you said before about that that first three to six months when you're in a relationship with someone, I think a lot of times we do have that that we're afraid to show all of ourselves. But I also believe that it's um, in those first three to six months that we are probably the most loving, forgiving version of ourselves. Yeah. Because we that person is so new and we are so swept up. That love is the only thing that we oftentimes think of. So we're like, oh, you were 15 minutes late? Doesn't even bother me. And it really doesn't. And it doesn't. Course in Miracles talks about this all the time. We think that the honeymoon period is that first three to six months. And then after that, our real life kicks in. The Course says it's the opposite. Right. The first mm-hmm. three to six months are really our true selves. Mm-hmm. That true loving, surrendered, forgiving person. And I always find that to be so lovely because those things that we do when we're just expressing love are really the things that make us the happiest. It's only when then enough time goes by and our doubt comes in and our fear comes in and our assumptions and interpretations and triggers come in. And illusions. And illusions. And we're like, oh, this it's not so safe to be this loving anymore. Somewhere we've been conditioned to believe it's not so safe to be that loving anymore. And that's just never the truth of the situation. I was talking to a friend earlier today and we were talking about, um, we were talking about MDMA, right? And so how um, ecstasy, right? The, 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 the purest form has been used, it's being used in these clinical trials to uh, heal trauma, right? And we were talking about, and in some places in couples therapy, Hmm. Like pure MDMA, when couples have been together forever and ever and ever and have all these resentments stacked so far against each other, they can't even hear each other anymore. That sometimes MDMA has been used uh, so that they 
come back to that original place of connection beyond the story of the history of the wrongs done. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about being unstruck, you know, forgiving as if nothing ever happened from before, there is that energy of pure love that somehow when we first meet someone, it's always feel like sometimes when you meet someone who rocks your world, like the same way I felt when I met both of you, it's like a new person unlocks a universe that you've never known before. Mm -hmm. And it's so fun and so exciting to be in that brand new universe that you just feel like you're flying. And so that's that place where our heart is the only thing that's ruling and that part of ourself that has those conditioned beliefs doesn't show up. And then all of a sudden, the more time we spend with someone, the more we start to think we know them. Mm -hmm. And so as we start, we just think we know them as the course says, we start to look at the frame instead of the picture. We, we, We start to look at what we think they are as opposed to the brand new energy that they have become in this moment. And we value the familiarity. Mm-hmm. We, we are conditioned to want familiarity. So as we spend more time with someone, we take pride in, oh, I know you now. And it becomes, a, it becomes that you become familiar to me now. And there's a safety in that. There's a, there's a security in that that we've been conditioned to believe is so important. Now, if I know you, the minute that you do something that is not in alignment with my knowing, that's where the danger comes in. Mm-hmm. Because now I've developed out of that familiarity expectations of you and a very specific form of you. And when you step outside of that form or you don't meet those expectations, which are all unrealistic, because if you have an expectation of someone else, by that very nature, it is unrealistic, then that's where the conflict comes in. And that's where we lose because I lost my focus from me and I started focusing all on you Mm. instead. And we do that in relationships all the time. Bring it back to me. And we do this with our dream. Yes. We do this with our purpose. We start to have expectations. I've invested this much money in you. I've invested this much time in you. I've, you know, given up my safety net so that I could pursue this path. So now you owe me. Mm. And the energy of the heart can never be about who owes what. It can only ever be about what gift, what service is being provided. And it must be given without expectation and without the need of anything in return. The Bhagavad Gita, which we quote often, says, you're entitled to your actions, but you are not entitled to the fruits of those actions. I am entitled to show up and give you both the most beautiful compliment. But that doesn't mean that I'm entitled to you giving me one back. And if I am only giving you that compliment so that I can get one back, then I am not in a state of surrender. I am in a state of manipulation and control. And so when we abuse power, it is when we use our actions to try to get. Mm. And when we are surrendered to our power, we use our words, actions, bodies, speech to give. It's so interesting that tonight we're talking about the third chakra or power chakra with our heart chakra. Because I have noticed recently in my own self, in my own life, that when I feel out of my power or out of that place where I really feel like... I know, I know who I am and I know what I'm doing on the planet. It's because I've strayed from my heart. So I've noticed something inside of my own self that when I actually just focus on my, my heart, my passion, where I am compelled, where I'm drawn, when I really allow my heart to lead, 
it puts me in my state of feeling confident on the planet. When I'm out of my confidence, it's because I've actually let something else take precedence over my heart. But when I just go, hold on, I'm like, hang on, bitch. What's (laughs) going on here? Why are you outside of yourself? It's because at some point, I decided I would do something else besides follow my heart, my true calling, my true compass, my my North Star. And so when I find myself feeling like off sorts, what always helps me get back into my confidence and my power is actually aligning with my heart first. And then it's like, it's like if I get that fourth chakra in the right place and like let that lead me, the third comes right into alignment. And so that's been a really interesting thing for me to watch this week. It, 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 I mean, this week, this month, the past few months is just noticing that difference. And I think for most of my life, I was a girl who always followed my heart and people would tell me I was, was confident. And I'd be like, well, that's really funny. I don't feel confident, but I would just, I had a heart that was so pulling me forward that it, it looked like confidence in the outer world. And so what I realized is, For me, whenever I subjugate my heart to either what someone else wants or what I think the expectation is or needing to be a good girl or any of these contracts, actually it's it's those things that get me out of my power. That, That if I just plug into my heart center, it'll take me straight into my power. And the buzzword really when it comes to following your heart is people will say selfish. Mm. When we really say, this is what feels in alignment and I want to move this way, then it's not often, even from the outside world, how often has someone really looked you in the eyes and said, you're being very selfish right now? Not nearly as often as the voice inside of you gives you that message. That we get the opportunity to say, what is that voice telling me? The third chakra is connected to the ego. And ego is a very healthy thing. We, we don't want to eliminate the ego. We don't want to bash the ego and say it's something we need to get rid of. We just want to say the ego gets to be one voice in the conversation, not the only voice. The heart has its own voice. And so when the ego says, I think doing this would be very selfish, then you say, thank you so much for that feedback. Let me consider that. No, this is still the way to go. That's right. And we have more conditioning around not following our heart than following our heart. So my money is always going to be on following my heart first. And I think for many of us who were raised to follow the the rules, I want to say, let them call us selfish for following our heart. Because for so many of us, that's our biggest fear. Oh my God, what if they call me selfish? Oh my God, what if they think I'm self-serving? And because of that, there's this constant acquiescing of our power, of our rightful place, of those things that are our natural birthright. And so when I consider what does it look like if I do something 180 degrees different? right? What does it look like if I go, my heart is my compass directing me to my good. And this will be the rubric that I follow beyond what someone else wants from me, beyond what I think my parents want, my partner wants, this job wants. 
what does my heart tell me? This is where my highest wisdom comes through. This is where the goddess comes through me. This is where my highest self comes through me. And I follow this first before anything else. And I think we want to consider that something might be called selfish, but you have to ask what master are you serving? Mm -hmm. I often think about nature. Nature is very selfish. When nature, when the sun wants to rise, it does. When a tree wants to grow, it grows. But it is serving the consciousness of the whole. There's a beautiful way that redwood trees will grow where there's one redwood tree that will grow in the forest. And as it grows, it will spread its seeds around itself. And so then there'll be a ring of redwood trees that grows around the initial tree. And then that ring of trees will spread its seeds outside of itself. And another ring of redwood trees will grow and grow and grow and grow. And it keeps moving out and out and out in these big circles of trees until eventually the whole system is spread out so much that the middle tree must die so that the rest of the trees can continue to grow out. And so then the middle rungs will start to die so it can continue to grow out. So initially that redwood tree with its desire to grow as tall as it could be, as strong as it could be, is doing so to spread its seeds outwards to create a new life, a new sustainability, a new force of nature that is so beyond itself. So What I would say to anyone listening is if you think that your vision for creating something on this planet is selfish, then be brave enough to say, yes, and I am. And I am selfish because as I grow as strong and big as I can grow, I will spread seeds beyond myself. And that vision will grow so far beyond me and create change in this world that I by myself could have never created. So by all means, be selfish and let that impact spread out beyond you so that the world can be changed by your presence and your bravery. And I think the word we're really talking about when we say selfish is really just self-loving, right? Self-honoring, self-accepting. and Self-actualizing. That's right. I think we covered it. (laughs) (laughs) I pointed to John because I was like, John. (laughs) Um, You know, it's very interesting as we go into this whole wheel theory that that go in to, to move forward. When we think about love in our life, and, and, and it's often that people will come to us as clients and say, you know, I, I don't feel like I have enough love in my life. And how it can look like is in terms of partnership or in terms of the, the close friends or of all these things. And I think what, one of the things that we want to offer in, in terms of this wheel energy is where is love asking for itself inside of you? And I think one of the most important practices we can do is ask ourselves, what do I love that wants to be nourished inside of me? What are the things my heart is calling for? Where does my longing or desire want attention? And as we start to serve those things inside of ourselves, this calling from the the heart space, we will realize that we become a magnet for the right people and the right love 
that is for us, that is like us. Um, and there was this book I picked up in the airport the other day because I just liked the title, and it was called Fuckology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, there was a, the, the author is Amy someone. I'll, I'll, I'll find it. But she was talking. It was this really funny book about um, science. It's kind of like a science-based self-help book, but she was talking about how she was like, I was such a loser in my life. And she was like, I was a loser who always wanted friends. And because I wanted friends, I would do what anyone wanted. Like if someone needed to move in New York, I'd be there to help them move until I realized when I needed to move, no one showed up. Right. And that I realized that when I liked a guy, I would do whatever, become whatever, but that there was no interest back. And she talks, she has this funny story about how she made a questionnaire for her dates to be like, did you find, was, was your date well dressed? Did she smell nice? Like all these things. Right. But she was like, I started to realize that as I stopped caring about anyone else's validation of myself and I started being someone who actually could say no to someone or not need someone to like me, people started to like me more. And I got so interested in, in that, I had to discover the science behind that. And I think that that's the thing, is we think that being what looks like loving or looks like giving out in the outer world will create that for us in the inner world. But that's backwards. Mm-hmm. The moment that we no longer need anything outside of us and we can say no to those things outside of us because we're saying yes to what is within us is when everybody wants that thing. It becomes like a magnet. And I've seen this too inside of the Hollywood system. The moment an artist comes in to an executive's office and says, I no longer need to please you. I need to please my muse. They're like, this person's a genius. Let's do whatever they want. Let's give them a movie, right? Mm -hmm. But the person who walks into the executive's office and takes their notes and is like so willing to please them that their story becomes so diluted, that movie never gets made. So the calling for all of us, no matter what the form is, is stop checking in out there and going within Mm. because we already have that built-in navigation system it's byron katie's quote it's not your job to like me it's mine and yoga will say that yoga will deepen your relationship to anything that is yoga and the word yoga meaning to yoke or to unite so uniting with something yoking with something will increase your relationship with whatever you are linked to. If you are linked to insecurity and I'm not worthy of love, then that relationship will be deepened in every relationship that shows up. If you are linked to, I have a gift to give and I love myself and I can't wait to give it, then you will be linked to that exact energy in the outer world in multiple ways that it will show up. So we have the opportunity in our heart through the act of surrender to honoring our true power to say, what do I want to be linked to? What do I want to open to? Is it that I want to open to confidence, to unconditional love, to play, to joy, to fun? What do you want to stand in this world in front of your Hollywood executives and say, this is what I'm all about and I'm not willing to dilute it to serve you and if you want to call that selfish go for it but i call that unconditional love to my muse to myself to my purpose on this planet and what happens if we do that what happens if we stand for unconditional love for ourselves first let's see 
All right, friends. Thank you for spending Valentine's Day with us. If if you want to spend more time, by the way, can I tell you how hot Natalie Roy and John DeVisi are? They're so attractive that I cannot believe that I get to go have dinner with them now. They're so good looking, and I know that when we walk into the restaurant, all heads turn and look at them. Takes one to know one, honey. That's well, right. Like attracts like. You just take a stand for unconditional beauty everywhere you there go. There you go. I can't <laughs> help And that's it. all you attract around you. <laughs> it's so good to know. You are my mirrors. So if you want to hang out with the three of us in Paris, we have only two spots left. One, two. You could be the person. You could be the person. And if anything that we've said about activating in your life about taking a stand if you are feeling like specifically if you are feeling like well that trip would be for someone who has more money more time uh, less responsibility than me then actually this trip is it's designed for you if you think you. this trip is selfish yep. this trip is for you yep. yeah if you think that this is dangerous or you think maybe next year this trip is for you right now yeah and maybe what happens when you take a, a stand for surrendering to how afraid it might make you, then you might see some floodgates open in your life. Uh, we also have one more announcement, which is our chakra course. That's right. We're doing a little love gift. We have a love gift for you. Oh. So we have decided, mm-hmm. uh, some of you may know, Kristen and I recorded, um, I think it's about seven hours of video content all on the chakras and how to take your dream, your idea into manifestation. So if you have a seed of something you want to create, a business you want to start, a child you want to have, a relationship you want to manifest, a script you want to write, then you can take and start with that idea and we will work you through all seven chakras, all of the blocks, all of the resistance, all of the opportunities, exercises that you can work through this system to take that into manifestation. We have that available on our website and we are giving it to you for the entire month of February at a sweet little discount because it's the month of love. So if you go on our site and order the chakra course, you can get it for $159. What? Only $159. What a steal. (laughs) When you use the code SAVE WITH LOVE, all capital letters. SAVE WITH LOVE, all caps. How fun. So we have these two great offerings for you. Uh, Come online, check out our website, www.thecreateseries.com. We're also going to be teaching in Los Angeles this month, Mm -hmm. a beautiful Create class. If you want to come check us out live, we're going to be teaching in March back in New York. Um, And we're in talks to do this great workshop in Denver. I know we have a lot of listeners in Denver. Strangely, we have lots of listeners in Denver. We're so excited. We are going to be coming to you, Denver, um, in the spring. So stay tuned for information on that. And in the meantime, if you loved this podcast, please share it with your friends, share it with your Valentine, share it with someone you wish was your Valentine, whatever, whatever wants to happen. (laughs) Um, it is February 25th in Los Angeles, if you're interested. And it's March 18th in New York, if you are interested. And John, where can they find you? www.johndavisi.com. J-O-H-N-D-A-V-I-S-I. Well, that Choose love. <laughs> you can have that sexy voice in your ear holes. How fun does that sound? <laughs> so many offerings. Thank you for listening. We love you so much. We are so grateful for you. And we can't wait to see you in Paris. Happy Valentine's Day. And P.S., you are very sexy.
If you want to know about the Create Workshop series, you can go to www.thecreateseries.com. And if you want to know more about us, you can go to kristenhenge.com or natalieroy.com. And if you want to come to Create, you can go to the Actors Green Room in New York City. Um, and it is Sunday nights from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. and Tuesdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And their website is www.theactorsgreenroom.com and you can buy Create On Demand if you don't live in New York City. Woo-hoo!